Hey, welcome to KCI Impact Bites. We're so excited to have you here. Tune in as Kate, Cass, and Kim walk you through all the things for this week in the Impact Program. Uh, welcome, everyone, to our second podcast episode for our KCI OBI cohort. So we are here this week um, talking specifically about equity because that's our our core course concept that we're working on. Before we get to it, though, I think we should have a little conversation about how last week's uh, live meeting went. Yes, that was fun. It was very like I I liked seeing um, everybody's face. That was my highlight. What was your highlight, Kim? Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, but even <laughs> the conversation in the chat mm-hmm. just was so awesome and so powerful. Yeah, I feel like there were so many resources that got shared in the chat and it was yeah. great. And of course, Eddie at Campos coming in anytime we can, you know, expose each other to the the brilliant minds that surround us is, is great. And he's such, he's such a generous educator with his time and with his expertise. So it was super, it was great to have him there. Very fun. And we got that on video. So woo woo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know it was like, I know it's Tuesday night. I mean, yeah, that's night for anything, but I generally felt like pretty, you know, enthused and like, uh-huh. oh, you know. yeah, it was so great to see just about everybody there too. I know. I was really, really excited that like I think we had almost everybody um, yeah. was, was able to pop in. So I think yeah. that's so, so great. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So this week we actually have um, a couple of guests that we're going to be interviewing. And so uh, we're going to be talking to Lene Whitney Putz. Nope. N- Lene Whitley Putz. There we go. And <laughs> Holcroft. Um, they are, they're part of the, um, CBC OEI, which is the online educators initiative. Um, I hope that I stands for initiative. It might be Institute. I'm going to find out in a minute. uh, (laughs) We'll get to it, but they, they are specifically working on an online equity affirmation. And so we thought we'd get together with them and talk to them about that. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome to another Impact Bites episode. We are so excited to have share some guests with you. I'm Kate and I'm Cass. Cass. <laughs> and we have two amazing um, influencers in the space of online learning with us. Um, Carolyn Holcroft and Lene Whitley Putz. Welcome, welcome. Um, yeah. Do you all want to take a moment to introduce yourself so that our um, listeners can just get to know you a little bit better before we jump into some questions? Sure. All right. I'm Carolyn Holcroft, and I am our campus, uh, I'm at Foothill College in Los Altos Hills, and I'm our campus professional development coordinator. Um, I'm a faculty member, and um, before doing this, I've been doing this position, this is my fourth year now. And before this, I was teaching biology classes for Foothill College. Oh, wow. Yes. So you, you, you support with all professional development? At- now I support all the, the campus-wide. Got it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Do you miss bio? Uh, <laughs> yes. 
Yes, but I still am really close with my bio colleagues and mm. I get a chance to work with them a lot. So yeah. I miss the students, but I'm, I still feel pretty connected to biology. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Awesome. All right, Lene. So I'm Lene and I am the Dean of Online Learning for Foothill College and Carolyn and I work closely together. Um, before being the Dean here, I was the faculty lead for professional development for the CBC OEI, which is a statewide program um, for the community colleges. So I um, was one of the leaders for 114 campuses. Whoa. Um, wow. And we were uh, working with faculty who were developing online courses and um, of course, focusing on online course quality. Yeah. Uh, I was on the team that helped develop the CBC OEI course design rubric and um, equity is a huge piece of uh, course quality. Yeah. So when I came to Foothill and Carolyn and I started talking, um, we immediately realized that we had um, some common interests in both mm. professional development, online course quality, and quality that is foundationally located in equity. And um, we've had a really enjoyable um, relationship stemming from yeah. that. So. Mm -hmm. so what I think is so fascinating about both of both the journeys that you all just shared is that we have we're supporting educators that are supporting educators that are just taking their first baby steps into online learning. And we've really, we're really trying to empower, especially our first cohort, but all the cohorts, we're empowering them to be thought leaders in the space and to be aware of, um, you know, even, even the language of online learning and, and, and how you define online equity. So maybe we could start there is just, what would be um, a definition of online equity um, when it comes to educational spaces that you can share with, with our listeners? My, yeah, yeah. You, you start, Carolyn, you start. My elevator pitch, my elevator <laughs> pitch for, Perfect. This, for this is always, you know, equity in education is when our student success is not predictable by demographic. And so I would, you know, just contextualize that to the online space where students in our online classes in our online learning environment, um, we, that we reach a point where we can't predict the success of our students by their demographics. Okay. That's part of um, Foothills, that's Foothills equity statement, right? Yeah. And so de demographics, can you define that? Um, the, we're, my first and foremost focus to always start with as always racial okay. um, by the racial demographic, but okay. really any, any demographic. Right. We don't want it predictable by gender mm -hmm. or sexual orientation or ability status or geolocation, right? Exactly. Yeah, Perfect. exactly. Perfect. That's great because this is a statewide program. And while most of our, most of our cohort come, the first cohort comes from Bay area proper, we are, I mean, we are servicing the entire state. And so all of those pieces just matter so much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we fully recognize um, at this particular time in our country's history with the role of um, higher education right now in this particular decade, um, a locus in race has never been more critical. Right. And an opportunity to make a, a significant improvement has never been more possible. And so we really want to kind of seize the day 
while also recognizing intersectionality and how important it is to pay attention to um, access to technology and um, training for technology and all of those various pieces and how they affect our students when our students are online and especially when our campuses are closed to them. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And it's such a, it's such a tender topic. I think people, there are some people that are really um, interested in solving problems around this. And many, many people don't quite know how to wrap their heads around it and also don't quite know how to talk about it appropriately. Um, And so sometimes don't bridge the conversation or don't even attempt the conversation. And so what, in your opinion, um, like, how would you determine that uh, a particular online course or offering is kind of hitting the mark when it comes to equity standards? Are there any indicators? Is there any framework out there? Any research that um, our cohort members or listeners need to be aware of? That's a super interesting question. And I think one answer that, that comes pretty quickly is we have some we have some state-defined metrics for the Cal- um, for the CCC okay. um, system, and those are things like, you know, course success rates, degree completion, time to completion, all okay. sorts of um, really quantifiable sorts of metrics. Okay, and those are all super important, and those are ones that we are incorporating more and more of. Um, certainly, we've been working on these at Foothill, and we're getting yeah. we're getting better at it. Um, but I would also say that um, those, you know, even if we don't have disproportionate impact, if we don't have demographically predictable success rates um, with those numbers, with those numeric measures, it's telling us we're on the right track, but it doesn't necessarily tell us we're there yet. Yeah. Um, to really know that we're there because we could have, I mean, we, there's always ways to, um, there's always ways to make things look better or worse on paper and not to say that's what we do at all, right. but really to know that we've changed. We, I want to, um, get a really more, um, oh gosh, get in and talk to the students and see how they feel, what the culture huh? of the classrooms is like. Things yep. that are way less amenable to some sort of numeric measurement. Mm, so I love talked, that. Yeah, we've talked a lot about um, <clears throat> the value of uh, pairing with our institutional research team, making mm-hmm. sure that we understand the data that is available to us. But a secondary piece that we are really encouraging faculty who are participating in our professional development and who are interested in improving equity in their online course is looking at um, multiple measures. And so marrying both the quantitative and qualitative Mm -hmm. research and really getting in there and asking your students how they feel about Mm. um, what they're learning. Um, uh, There's a a phrase that we like that resonates. Um, we want them to be able to see the, the course as both a mirror of their life experiences and their possibility and a window um, to see what their future could be. And the only way to ascertain if we're really doing that is not by counting beans, but rather mm-hmm. by asking individual students if they perceive that. And so we're really looking for that holistic, wrap around 
ecosystem that not only says, were you successful, but is this an experience that you felt satisfied your soul and, oh, yeah. and helped you, um, you know, in a way that you feel that you can now reach back mm-hmm. and um, help the person who's coming in behind you. So how do you see this impacting? I mean, so within, within our, our cohort, we have a handful of higher ed faculty members, but we have majority are K-12 educators. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to what you're saying, really gathering um, qualitative data and, and kind of check, checking pulses and, and, and listening to the, the non-quantifiable pieces, you know, how, what does that look like in K-12? I don't, I'm, and maybe, you know, maybe this isn't something you're prepared to answer, or maybe it's, it's a yes and, and we go and we, we keep digging in, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask the Dean of Online Learning <laughs> at Photo College, you know, if, if there was any thought around that space, simply because, you know, those kiddos grow up to be your students. And so it's just interesting to me, you know, the role, do we check in with families? We check in with, yeah, what age, what, what types of questions do we ask our youngest learners and so on and so forth? Yeah, um, so that's where the equity affirmation that we have been working on really kind of comes into the picture. Um, it, this is a, a kind of a work in progress. It happened because Carolyn and I were meeting and talking about things and, and um, we were each like madly scrambling down notes after we would meet with one another. And we were really like thinking aspirational. Like uh-huh. if, if we want to move the needle on this, what do we really do that's not just like lip service, right? right. And so some of the things on the equity affirmation are really, really hard. And I'm just going to jump right in head first into do the it. politics and yeah. say, um, we recently had a presidential executive order saying that we cannot talk about white privilege and we cannot talk about racism. Like we can't make it better if we can't talk about right. them. Right. And, um, you know, we have to be able to look at all of the privileges that we have had as growing up as white women and say, you know, what would that look like if we were able to make educational experiences where everyone felt like their history and their cultural experiences were were valued, right? And so some of the changes that we propose are really, really hard. So if you're looking at the, the K-12 system, th- it has to start that early, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need to change our curriculum. We need to change our method of assessing. Mm-hmm. For far too long, our K-12 systems have served to separate the wheat from the chaff. And we are not making flour here. These are humans. Right. And every single human should be able to reach their potential, no matter what that is. There is no such thing as chaff. And so mm-hmm. our job as educators is to help every single student continue on to the next stage of their development. And so we really have to look at the ways that we've used assessment to, um, to do de facto tracking or implicit tracking and how are we separating out students and saying, you are for a four year, you should go for a UC, uh, right. you should go for a community college, maybe you shouldn't go to college. We have to stop that. And if we're doing that through our curriculum, um, then we have to examine how and why and unpack it and get rid of it. I just got chills. Oh yeah. my God. That's, I feel like, oh my God. 
it's palpable your passion around that that's so (laughs) (laughs) so can you tell us more about like the equity affirmation um where did it come out of who who penned it who is what is it let's start with that what is it you know what i'm gonna let you take this one lene because you have so much you had you had the experience of getting in from the ground up with the oei rubric development And that really was a springboard. Mm -hmm. Yes. So the OEI rubric um, is about online course quality and it divides quality into four um, different places. And it's really focused on the course design. And of course we know in technology that um, there is nothing, there's no race neutral design, right? Um, There is no gender neutral design. And so um, some of those pieces were built into the rubric, but you had to dig a little bit, you had to read into it a little bit. And so some of our sister colleges um, came up with some alternative rubrics that, um, I shouldn't say alternative, they were um, addendums to add on to the OEI course design rubric. And they were a really great start, but um, I felt that um, we needed to be aspirational. And um, in conversations with Carolyn, I could tell that she felt the same. And so instead of saying, you know, what do we think that people are willing to do right now? And that's the rubric we'll create. And then people can reach that. We were like, what do people really need to do? And what does Mm -hmm. it look like if we set a super high bar and say, we should work toward that bar. We may not be able to reach it tomorrow, but we should at least work toward it and continue working toward it. And so we just kept writing down things that each one of us in our research felt um, were part of that. And then when we got enough down that we thought, okay, you know, we need to ask other people how they feel about this. Are we on the right track? We just put it in a grid format and started asking people to add to it. And um, we've had faculty across our campus um, look at it, add to it, um, participate in its development. We've sent it outside of our campus to get people to look at it. Uh, we really tried to back it up with um, research wherever possible to kind of drop clues to people about why we have something that may look like, why is this here? Um, it's a living document and we, we keep calling it draft and version. <laughs> We're still in draft version four. I living hope- in beta, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do, do you, is it, is it a resource? that um, is applicable outside of higher ed? Like you say it's aspirational. Is that something that a middle school teacher could look at and go, okay, I see the end in, in, I see the end in mind, like how I can get there by doing X, Y, or Z. Absolutely. It is not higher ed specific at all. Perfect. It's, it's pedagogy. It's thinking about how we teach and learn and how humans learn. I love it. It could be in any educational context and arguably changing a few words, you could take it out of the educational context as well and think about other systems, but we're focused on education right now. Right, 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 right. Um, Let's see, I think the last question, I know what I want, I I really wanna know if you could forecast the impact of all of what we're going through. So if you could close your eyes and say, imagine a world that is (laughs) post-pandemic. whatever and whenever that may be. Um, What do you imagine to be the um, 
the role or the impact of online learning once people are given the option to not teach or learn that way? Sorry, I have no idea if I said that correctly, but basically when it's not forced upon us, what do you think the impact's gonna be? The I'll, I'll do a short one. As a faculty member, yeah. like, I don't think it's ever gonna be the same again. Yeah. Even I do have colleagues who, who just are not in love with online teaching and they very, very much yeah. want to go back. They feel that their skills are so much more um, honed in a face-to-face -face environment. And mm -hmm. I think that's perfectly, perfectly um, reasonable. And I think that, um, but I think that having been forced to take this um, challenge on, we're all, even, even if we're teaching in a face-to-face -face environment, no one is gonna be unchanged by this. No right. one teaching is gonna come away in the same way that they were before this. And I think um, in a lot of ways, it's gonna make us better teachers uh -huh. um, for having that experience. And some people may are finding that, although they never thought before that they liked the online sort of environment, they're finding they do like it. Yeah. And so it's just gonna mix things up. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Lene, any predictions on your end? Yeah, can I take off my dean hat and answer it from a parent hat? Please. Yeah. I'm constantly taking my hats off and on. <laughs> yeah. So it's been interesting to me. Here's both the dean and the parent hat. Um, our K-12 systems have really adopted course management systems um, on a more wide scale than um, some of our college systems. Mm. Um, I taught at UC Santa Cruz and at Foothill and in neither one of those campuses is it mandatory that you use the course management system. So if you want to um, you know, turn all your papers in using a paper format and, and in pencil or in red pin, right on your students, right. keep a grade book, you can, right? Um, and <clears throat> for many of our K-12, they are using a course management system and they are um, putting those grades in every single day. So in a very narrow sense, K-12 has led course management huh. adoption. Interesting. However, they've done it in a way that is not necessarily pedagogically optimal. And so that's like where it's really, really important to engage in professional development. I, um, my son is 25 now, so he's long past K-12. Oh my goodness. But he was, um, taking a class where they had a warm-up every single day and the warm-up was worth three to five points and he would routinely get it was for French okay and he would routinely <laughs> get a three and like he was speaking French you know at home all the time he was saying everything to me in French <laughs> but he would get a three on his warm-up because he's a boy and he's not focused and sure. so forth and so you know um numerically, if you're a math teacher, you get that that's a failing grade, right? right? That's a 60%. It's, it's not, a, it's not just feeling it's a low feeling, right? Right. And if you accumulate that every single day over the course of a quarter, it can really affect your grade. Right. And so I went in and I talked to the French teacher and she said, no, it's a C. And I said, in your mind, it's a C, but when you turn it into the course management system, it becomes a 60%. And she said, no, it's just a three, four or five. 
And I said, mm. in your mind, that's a three, four, or five. But when you put it in the course management system, it's a 60%. And the course management system only sees it as the number. Uh-huh. And, uh, I could never convince her. Um, he had her for French for three years. Oh, boy. And received um, C's in French when, if you like take away that grade, he should have actually had high B's in his French. Wow. Okay, so this is an instructor who thinks that she's helping her students by giving them this incremental piece every single day and urging them to improve. By the time he was a senior and taking his third year of French, he didn't even care about that course anymore, right? Yeah. So his spirit and his, from, from just that little tiny warm-up every mm -hmm. And so I think we really need to think about what it does to students when there's a thousand grades mm. in the course management system. That, mm. that incremental every single day adding up does not mm -hmm. add up to teaching and learning. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you get really behind in that grading? What happens if you're not organized? What is the message that you're sending to your students? So I think K-12 has really seen um, the course management systems as a way to manage grades and <clears throat> with parents. Mm -hmm. And they need to start thinking instead about how it can support OER, how okay. it can transform assessments and move away from that incremental, be much more about learning outcomes and how they met mm -hmm. the And so we each need a transformation and we need to talk to each other and share with each other in order to make that transformation happen. I love that. In fact, the, the our program is Online Blended Impact, which is an acronym, and the last portion of it is Cultivating Transformation. And that's really what we're attempting to do is, is just what you're saying, tra transform the instructional design, that it's not about taking what you do face-to-face -face and just putting it on a screen, right? It's it's about so much more. And when it comes to grading and, and metrics, are we truly assessing learning or are we assessing someone's home environment and their family dynamics and where they live and whether or not they got to eat breakfast and whether or not they can focus? It's, it's all those pieces that I think, you know, this is really shining some light on and, and there's no easy answer, but it's a journey that must, that we must engage in. And I feel like, you know, your work really points that out um, in a way that makes it um, accessible to K-12 teachers. I mean, with something as uh, like the framework of the equity affirmation, that could just be such a game changer for somebody's like, I don't, I don't know what a good example is. Mm -hmm. I've never been an online student. How can I be an online teacher? Right. I mean, how many educators are in that space? And it's, they're right. You know, we, we can't ask them to be excellent online teachers when we have not armed them with professional learning that is excellent in that space. Yeah. So anyways, I am so, I, Cass, I feel like I railroaded this entire conversation. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely great. I know that, um, yeah, I'll stop. I'm going to stop because Cass is bound to have at least a question or at least a wrap up, but I don't even know. I'm just, I'm so grateful for this time with you ladies. Me too. Yeah, I think we should probably wrap up time-wise, but um, I really, really appreciate it. It was great to get to talk to you. And I'm super excited. I mean, Foothill has been, like, really has led the way in so many things when it comes to to these kinds of concepts, it seems, right? There's other colleges that are, that are contacting us asking for our materials or asking for, like, how they can do the kinds of things that we're doing. So, I mean, I really, it's, it's amazing to be not just meeting the leaders at this institution, but mm -hmm. kind of the leaders in general 
um, on these topics. So. Which, which begs the question is, are there, um, are there ways for educators for especially our cohort members to be um, to do anything in support of your work? Like, is there any ways that we can be of service to you and to help amplify this message? Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, one of the one of the things that will really help us, or that that hasn't helped us in the past, is that our systems are are so separate and siloed, and that doesn't do that doesn't do us a service. Um, and so, the more we can just communicate between one another, the better we're going to be. Awesome. That that we can do. And we can also push it out to our network so we can also blog about it and we can also, you know, tweet about it and all the things. So Perfect. absolutely amplify, amplify. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. One now, thing we can do is to actually um, start using the equity affirmation and then share what that looks like in our class. So for instance, when we transform curriculum and include voices that were not normally included in a very Eurocentric history class, for instance, or yep. literature class. What does that look like? And um, what are some of the assignments that you had students do and just create a deep resource that people mm. can rely on? Because some people don't have um, you know, the experiences to be able to pull that out of their hat. Right. And sharing that is gonna be critical. I yeah. love that. That's great. And you know, a lot of the the cohort members we have are our presenters and volunteer um, regionally and throughout the state and, and, and share their experiences. So that's a great suggestion. You know, if this is, if this is something that's really speaking to your educational soul um, and, and something that you want to take action on that there, that there are resources out there, um, we will make sure links are shared and, um, and we'll continue the conversation so that we don't silo out and, and let this be a one and done, but um, so exciting. Well, thank you ladies so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you Thanks for thinking of us. Wow, that was, that, that's impressive. That's a lot. A lot of good ideas, a lot of stuff, a lot to think about and a lot to find out more about. Yeah, I kind of can't wait to dig in and see, you know, look at all the different resources. And also think about how we can continue the conversation because it's not one and done, right? This is definitely something that we need to revisit time and time and time again. Absolutely. I, I think this is going to come up pretty much throughout the program in all the mm -hmm. different kinds of conversations we have. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's great. Yeah. Definitely. So before we wrap up, um, I wanted to propose to you, uh, Kim and Kate, a uh, oh. thought that I had. Yes. Which is in the past, like how we've sort of set this up is we're like, oh, we'll pick the topic for each week and we'll do these things. But, yeah. you know, because I'm a nerd and if there's a feature, I have to use that feature. Um, Anchor has this like call in feature, right? Where you yeah. Voice recording. Cool. And I'm thinking, so what if um, we ask people in the cohort, like, hey, if there's something that you want us to discuss, right? Like if there's an issue you're facing right now with your with your mm -hmm. online teaching or anything, or there's some like big concepts you want us to talk about, um, call in and just let us know what that is. And then we'll bring that into a future podcast. Oh, that's I, so great. I and and we can know in advance and research some stuff and bring, you know, really respond to the needs of this cohort. I love it. Love it. 
All right, so let's let's do that. So if you if you have something that you want us to talk about, um, there will be a link with the podcast, and you can leave a message. If you do not want your voice recorded and played for everyone, that's understandable. I I feel that way sometimes. So uh, you can- <laughs> yeah, she still has a podcast, so don't believe her. Out of necessity. <laughs> <laughs> so you you can send us an email or something like that, and we'll just read it too. So love yeah. it. Yay! Oh my gosh. Awesome. Such a cool feature Anchor has. I love it. All right. So yeah, have a have a great week, everyone. And um yep. we've got another uh live cohort meeting. So that'll be exciting too. Day before the election. Let's get ready. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good one. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks everyone for listening to the KCI Online and Blended Impact Bites. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.